The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. This week, the NFL will take 255 young men and turn their dreams into reality. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select, select, select. It's the Hogan Johns 2020 NFL Draft Podcast. Let's just put this. We feel like this is a strong draft. Having two twos is, is, is huge for us because of the depth of this draft. And, uh, and we just got to take advantage of it. With Adam Ho and Adam Johns. We're always going to take the best player available. So if a quarterback was there and, and he was the highest guy on our board and, and it, you know, in, in, in a strong in a strong way, we, we would consider that. Here they are, Hogan Johns. Well, they did not take a quarterback when it was all said and done. Another year gone by without the Bears drafting a quarterback. Five out of the six drafts for Ryan Pace, but that's okay. Plenty of other guys to talk about here. Welcome in Hogan Johns. Day three of the draft. Three long days in the books. We just got done talking to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, and we have thoughts, don't we, Adam Johns? (laughs) <laughs> lots and lots of thoughts. I do have a thought about not taking a quarterback, but we can get to that later, my friend. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Ton of coverage. A ton of coverage to read and consume in addition to this podcast. Uh, Johnsy stuff is up at The Athletic, theathletic.com, The Athletic app. You should be subscribing there if you're not. Man, you are missing out, and you could still check out Dane Brugler's draft guide to read all about the Bears draft picks. Although there was one guy they reached so far for, and I shouldn't phrase it like that, but they they went with such a big small school guy that uh, he was actually just listed in Dane Brugler's draft guide. I mean, that's hard to do, Johnsy, to get somebody that deep that, that there isn't even a profile in the beast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's an impressive feat in itself. I feel like there's a few guys every year that slip through the cracks. Like I could even bet that some of these guys, and and I mean this, that some of these guys that some teams draft or sign as you know and draft the free agents aren't even like in consideration for other teams. They just evaluate in different ways. But you're right. There's a lot of football players to get through. Yeah. Uh, well, all the, the athletic coverage is up there, and then you can get mine at NBCSportsChicago.com. And I do, do have analysis on all seven draft picks. Some of them I had to cram a little bit more than others. Um, you know, uh, Darnell Mooney today was somebody I was prepared for. The uh, the kid from uh, Tennessee State, I was not. He was the Lashavia guy. Shavius Simmons? Yes. 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 That's the guy who, who escaped the beast, I believe. The beast, which is impressive. But I got to say, for the limited tape I was able to find uh, of his online, I was impressed uh, as a mauler, the way he took guys down to the ground. So there's plenty of time to get to all of this. Um, but that's is where, that's where you can read all of our coverage this week. Our producer is Kent Garrison. He's great. He landed us Cole Komet earlier in the week. The Bears' second round pick that you heard from. You can go back and find that interview two podcasts ago Tuesday, uh, and it was a good interview with Cole Komet. So uh, let's see, Johnsy. Should we just kind of go through the picks like we did yesterday? The Bears picked five guys today, made two trades. Okay, yeah, let's go through them one by one. All right, so we have. Travis Gibson, who uh, was primarily a hand-on-the-ground defensive lineman in Tulsa's uh, 3-3-5. I think it was a 3-3-5 defense, but it was a three-down front there they're running at Tulsa. 
Gibson primarily had his hand on the ground as a five technique. Just talk to Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace believes that he will be more of an outside linebacker, edge rusher type guy. Uh, so he'll join the outside linebackers room and be provide some depth for Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. Yeah, so they gave up uh, a 2021 fourth rounder to, to get him. I don't know how you feel about giving up future draft capital, Adam. I, I, I'm okay with it. If you like a guy, you're only evaluating this year. I get that a lot of people who listen to this podcast, who are fans of the Bears, don't like that whatsoever. But I'm okay with that. I think it's acceptable. If you think this guy's a fourth rounder this year and he's available in the fifth rounder, that's okay with me. Um, I, I just like the – how should I word this? So the Bears start the fifth round with one pick. That turns into three picks. So obviously, starting with Gibson, the Bears saw a cloud of players they wanted to attack and make sure they got players from. Yeah, look, they they entered this draft with three picks in the first five rounds. Um, and to me, the fifth round is sort of definitely the cutoff where you're probably not going to land let's see, an impact starter quickly like you could still get somebody in sixth seventh round who develops like like a charles leno yes yes but fifth fifth round's kind of the cutoff of like a jordan howard who or an adrian the, amos who came the fifth in round's and, and been, like started. you said th- those are good names the fifth round's been good for yeah. the bears adrian amos so, got paid by the packers Bilal nichols it, he's your starting defensive tackle there's, There's another good one. So, it, it, and even listening to Ryan Pace tonight, they clearly had a cloud of players. And Matt Nagy references too, especially it sounded like with some speedy wide receivers that they had really targeted in the fifth round. Like this is where they're going to go. This is where where we're going to have to go get them. So instead of having three picks in the first five rounds, the Bears ended up with five. Okay, so one of, one of those trades, the Gibson trade, you had to give up a fourth rounder in 2021. A lot of people were freaking out about that. Guys, that is normal compensation for a tra- so if you're not going to give up a current year's pick, which they did not do. They still had they still maintain their original 5th rounder. I think that got lost on people as this trade came through. All they gave up was a, a pick for next year. In doing so, you almost always have to give a round up, if that makes sense. So if you you you're trying to get a fifth rounder now. You got to give a fourth rounder next year. That's pretty normal compensation in those situations, and and so the Bears ended up with three fifth rounders, and that included a Gibson from Tulsa. Yeah, and people will wonder, well, why do you need an outside linebacker? Well, if you're going to criticize the Bears for signing, uh, is Robert Quinn thirty yet? I think he just turned thirty or, or yep. will be turning thirty. Then yeah, it, you understand it. You look at some of the guaranteed money. It's mainly over the first. You know, a couple seasons. Cleo Mack, he's approaching 30. I think he's got a lot of good football left in him. But it's still best to be proactive at the most important positions in football. Again, that leads to the debate about quarterback and why the Bears aren't drafting one every year or every other year. But that's it's a podcast all into itself, Adam Hogue. Maybe we'll save that for another day. But just in terms of prior, you know, having priority positions and keep reloading in those positions, I have no problem with the selection of Gibson. Yeah, and just quickly on him, 81 and a quarter, uh, 81 and a quarter inch wingspan, which you just can't teach that, John. That's pretty, that's pretty darn good. He's, a, he's got a tall and lengthy f- frame. Um, so I think this is, this is a good spot for him to move outside. 
uh, where he doesn't have to be in the trenches quite as much. There's definitely room for strength to be added. And I got to say, you know, his college production, you can't really argue with, with it at all. 12 sacks, 24 TFLs in his final two seasons when he became a starter. And this is the one thing I love the most, Johns. Eight forced fumbles. Eight forced fumbles. That shows you he has a knack for the football like Khalil Mack does. Yeah, a willingness and an awareness to go for that ball. Got to like it. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, Travis Gibson from Tulsa. So then they maintained their uh, pick at 163, and they ended up with uh, Vildor, the corner. Kindle Vildor, not an Amazon product, a uh, cornerback from Georgia Southern. Not a character from Harry Potter. (laughs) That's a a different name, man. I hope somebody does like the rankings of the like the names that like ranking teams drafts based on the names of the players they picked. I mean, the Bears are have to be far and away number one here. I think they drafted in, in the seventh round a British aristocrat, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Jesus, uh, uh, we're kidding, oh, Harlington Hambright. We're kidding. Uh. <laughs> Vildor is his name. Kindle Vildor, the uh, cornerback from Georgia Southern. And he uh, he apparently has the ability to play outside and inside. He's a little bit smaller. But I got to say, you know, I found some some of the tape when he played. Let's see. Yeah, he played Clemson in 2018. And... He's got good length, even though he's a little bit smaller. So I don't know if he's going to ultimately end up inside or outside. But, you know, to me, it's, it's this is a solid depth piece. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's it's in line with, like, the, the speed that Ryan Pace wants to build his team around, too. He ran the 40 and 4.44. I know that's not the most exciting speed, but it's still an upgrade over, I, I don't know, let's say Prince of Mukamara. Uh, that may be a bad comparison because because Prince was a first-round pick, you know, so some years ago. But just in terms of creating a faster team, a more competitive team, and this applies to special teams, too, and Pace highlighted this. Kindle, Kindle Vildor. This is going to be a name we got to get used to saying. Kindle, yeah, I know. I'm Kindle with Vildor. It. <laughs> it's hard to say. Like I know what it is. I'm looking at. Even I'm looking at it on a piece yes, of paper, yes. and I still am struggling saying it. Yes, good Kindle luck, Jeff Vildor. Joniak. But like, like he he fits that, which is fine. And and you like players that are confident. You like a little tenacious side to him as well. So look. You don't want to get too excited about fifth round picks. I understand that, but obviously there's some traits to like. Team captain. I mean, like th- that's a thing that you know Ryan Pace is really starting to value. You know, the, the character and just how he wants to continue building this team and rebuilding this team or reloading this team. You know, Kendall Vildor, team captain, Georgia Southern. Yeah, and he plays. He plays with some confidence. Uh, I read in Dane Brugler's draft guide that his production dipped as a senior, um, but he was dealing with an ankle injury, which we found out when uh, we talked to him. So um, that would be a pretty good excuse if his play did slip. Apparently he had a chance to come out after his junior year, but decided to go back uh, because he had an outstanding uh, 2018 season. And again, with the production, where did I write? I wrote this down. Uh Four interceptions, 15 passes defended in that junior season. And overall, he had more passes defended than college starts, which you know just shows you he's getting his hands on the football. So you, you got to like the ball skills there for Kendall Vildor. 
What a name. Like and it name. gets better, I guys. like the name. I like gets, the name. I, I, we're poking fun at it, but I like it. No, I'm not poking fun. I'm just... Better than John Smith. Yeah. I mean... Is there... I was going to say, like, is there any... Yeah, I don't know. Even... Honestly, Darnell Mooney has the most boring name in the Bears draft class. Him or Jalen Johnson... Standard names. Yes. It's a good name draft. It, it just... It is. All right. Well, speak, speaking of Darnell Mooney, love this pick, Adam Johns. Um... I actually tweeted this morning that he's a sleeper to watch out in this draft for the Bears today. The Bears trade up. This is the other trade they made. They trade up in the fifth round, essentially giving up their two six-rounders to uh, make this deal happen and landing Darnell Mooney from Tulane, who uh, is definitely more of a wide receiver than a running back, but similar to me as Tariq Cohen, like a guy they got later in the draft, who I really think has the speed and explosiveness, John Z, to get plugged into the offense right away. And I felt even stronger about that after hearing Matt Nagy talk about this kid. Yeah, I I like his elusiveness. I like um, long strides. That's a scout term, right? You're You're using a lot of scout lingo these days. He's a long strider, is he not, Adam Hogue? Yeah, I get I. I didn't use that one specifically, but like, um, like Tariq Cohen does not like like strike me as a long strider. Like Darnell Mooney, just just he just moves differently. I know what you're saying. You know he, he's got that first step quickness, make a guy miss and whatnot. But he seems to get upfield right away. Uh, I like some of the highlight reel catches he made. Obviously Matt Nagy, you know this is his type of guy, right? He ran the forty and what four point three eight at the combine. Gotta like that again. It's all about enhancing the speed of the team. He fits this. Yeah, and I had, I had heard during the pre-draft process that uh, Mike Furry really liked this guy, and that was confirmed tonight when Ryan Pace talked. He brought that up. So, um, you know, these coaches do get a say. They they the, the way it usually works is once the season ends, maybe even sometimes during the season, but, uh, the, the, you know, they'll, they'll, there's a, there might be a prospect that's high on the draft board or definitely on the draft board that they want to have the position coach Look at him because ultimately you want the if you're going to draft a guy you you want the position coach to you know be excited about coaching the player too and and think that that player has potential to be coached up and, and so that definitely matters I think we've heard those stories uh, like Jay Rogers and Bilal Nichols for example I mean that's someone that they really credit Jay Rogers a lot for for his scouting ability not just to to be able to coach so um, but you look at this guy Darnell Mooney. I tweeted a couple clips of him against Auburn. Uh, there, there's one ridiculous catch he makes. That's the one thing that stood out to me, Johns. So, first of all, the knock on him, he's he's definitely small. And and not just like height-wise, but like his body's not really filled out. He doesn't seem to have a whole lot of strength. Um, I believe Dane Brugler even had in his bio uh, <laughs> or, that he yeah. has a kicker body. Yes, uh, that's not good. That's that's not good. Now, not not yeah. Sebastian Janikowski like, but yeah, that's a good point. More Eddie Pinero like. Yes, more Eddie Pinero like. So not exactly uh, a ringing endorsement. But look, a lot of these guys have, I don't call them body issues, but but coaches want them to change their makeup. Sometimes they, they want a guy like uh, let's use Roy Robertson Harris, right? Gain some weight become a, a an interior defensive lineman instead of an edge rusher like you were in college. Like They want these guys to transform 
their bodies in a way. And I could see adding five, six, seven, eight pounds. Not a lot because you want them to maintain a speed, you know, but add it, build that strength, maintain that speed. That's definitely in the mix for a guy like Mooney. But at 5'10", 176, you watch this guy and he makes plays on the football. Like he can go up and get the ball high pointed. Uh, and again, on my Twitter feed at Adam Hogue, there's a there's an example of this against Auburn. Which, by the way, against a first round cornerback, a guy that went in the first round of the Miami Dolphins yeah. at number thirty overall. Come on, pronounce that name. Come on, give me that. Noah. Noah. Uh. Noah. <laughs> Noah. Nope. 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 Okay. Not gonna do it. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm not even gonna try. Yeah. Yeah. Being a guinea. Sure. Eway anyway. Um yeah, anyway, the point is first round cornerback, Darnell Mooney, had a pretty good game against him, had a couple plays. Tulane was completely outmatched in that game against Auburn. But um, you know, that's where sometimes the guys on that outmatched team pop a little bit more when they can hang with an SEC uh cornerback that goes in the first round. So especially when he's undersized the way he is. Anyway, in terms of a a fit, which we always talk about, a piece in Matt Nagy's offense. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm working on a uh, story tonight that should be up by the time you listen to this, kind of ranking the impact that these players, Johns, can have immediately as a rookie, because that's always a big conversation here. And let's not forget, you know, some of these guys are going to have to play right away. I picture Mooney having a fit in 2020, getting on the field. Maybe not like a starter, not a guy who can play a ton because he's, he's a little bit limited in size, but I think Matt Nagy's going to find a way to use his speed right away. So he is third on your list, you're saying? He is. He is. He is. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good at this job. I, I try to be, at you, least. You are good at this job. Um, yeah, I, I think our listeners agree, too. I hope we both are, but you definitely are. Uh, Jalen Johnson, number one. And then Cole Komet. You know, we have I, to I give do... the whole article away, Adam. You know, I, just, I, I got my lucky guess in, and you can move on. No, it's all right. People can still check it out okay. to, to find the rest of it. But I agree it. with you. But I 100% agree with you in your first why? three picks. Yeah. Maybe I'll leave the why to the, to the uh, story. But I did go with uh, Komet second. And, and I'll be honest, I even thought about putting Mooney second. Um, Because I just think there's a there's an adjustment period for tight ends. But anyway... Like Mooney, that's the point. I love this pick in the fifth round. I understand why the Bears traded up for him, and I like the fact that they came into the draft with only three picks in the first five rounds, and they ended up with five of them. Yeah, yeah. Again, playing your board, being aggressive when you need to, and I, I get that people get upset over like Ryan Pace wheeling and dealing in the draft, but like his moves up in the middle rounds. So there's literally only two examples. It's going up Freddie Jackson. And it's going up from Nick Kukowski. and those both turned out pretty darn well, I'd say so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I gotta actually disagree with you. I don't understand why people get upset about it. I think it's just the Trubisky trade. Yeah, it sticks I, with them. It's right? fine, but like in, in the Leonard Floyd, you know, it is what it is. But like maneuvering in the middle rounds, like so many teams do it. So many. If you like a guy, and you, you got him high in that cloud and a different cloud than the next tier players, go for him. If it's if it's a good deal, a fair deal. No problem with it whatsoever. I mean, if it's two six-rounders for a fifth-rounder, especially one that you... I'm, I'm guessing the Bears had them high, graded higher than than the fifth round anyway. Um, you go up and do that every time, in my opinion. I, got, I don't have a problem with it. But they did end up with two seventh-round picks um, to use, and 
this is where things get great with the names, right? Yes. We go to the seventh round. They have back-to-back. The fact that they were back-to-back picks made it even better. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with the first one. Their draft, Arlington Hambright. And the Again, twi- a British aristocrat. <laughs> yeah. Guard. Um, he actually played left tackle at Colorado, but uh, it sounds like he's going to be a guard at the NFL level. Arlington Hambright. And uh, of all the great tweets that popped up during this, Johns, I, I got to give it to John Greenberg from The Athletic, who tweeted, the next pick is going to be Vernon Hills. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good he's a clever one that John Greenberg is he not yes um, and I think JJ I don't have JJ's tweet in front of me JJ Stankovitz from NBC Sports Chicago uh, had what did he say he said uh, if this works out we're going to be going to Arlington Heights Something like that. Like new heights uh, was, was basically the yes, play he was yes, going for. Yes, I blew yes, it. Yes, I completely yes. botched it, but it was something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it was both good and bad enough to do the face palm emoji, which is what I did in response. Anyway, Arlington Hambright from Colorado. Interesting player to me that uh, Ryan Pace had slipped through the cracks because he transferred a bunch of times. So barely recruited out of high school. Ended up going the JUCO route, transfers to Oklahoma State, has to redshirt. Then by the time he plays, he gets hurt. And this would already be his fourth year in college. So Johns, he graduates with a degree, having barely played any college, at least D1 college football. And he's still got a year left of eligibility. So he picks up and grad transfers to Colorado where he plays right away, slides right in at left tackle on a team that had a, a solid quarterback in Steven Montez and a, a receiver in LaVisca Chenault that went in the second round and played really well. But because he had these transfers, uh, Ryan Pace said he slipped through the cracks. Weird body type to even be playing left tackle. When you look at the tape, Johns, the, the guy lined up next to him, the left guard, is bigger than he is. So I was relieved to hear Ryan Pace say that he's going to kick inside the guard um, because he does not have the body to play left tackle in the NFL. So uh, it sounds like he's going to be a guard, which means probably some developmental time, but it's a seventh-round pick. So a a lot of times in the seventh round, teams will start taking swings on players, whether they're developmental guys or even guys that – Maybe they have like a priority free agent grade on, but they're not sure if they're going to be able to sign him. So in order to get him back into your building, like this is your guy. Let's just use a pick on him. Uh, I'm not saying this is the case, but when I was doing some research on him, like I almost wondered if there was going to be some level of, of competition because there's always a few good scouts out there, right? Like who do extensive research and, you know, they won't let teams or won't let players slip through the cracks, like Ryan Pace is saying. And, and this line from Dane Brugler struck me, right? This is his last line of his evaluation of Arlington Hambright from England. Overall, Hambright relies on his technique to help mask his lack of ideal length and strength, but his game has upside due to his light fleet feet and flexible hips. Now, that's some good scout lingo, but... You know, like you question a lot of these guys when they get to the league just in terms of what their technique is. Like, a lot of these guys simply, for whatever reason, can't develop sound technique. Like, they need years and years and years of it 
So if Dane sees something in, in this guy, I'm sure, obviously the Bears did as, as well, but that's something you could build on, I, I think, at this level. By the way, just to be clear, not from England. He's from Michigan. <laughs> okay, he's from Michigan. <laughs> but, Which is east. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, 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 close. it's close to England. It's like next door to England. So, um, yeah, here, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a Holland, Michigan. So yeah, you know, relatively yeah. European. Uh, I found a quick video of Colorado's entire offensive line against Oregon this season. So again, limited tape. But the one thing that found out to, that that stood out to me right away, Johns, quick out of his stance, both in pass and run, like he fires off the ball in the run game. And so I like to see that's probably the footwork, the quick feet that Dane Brugler's talking about there. Um, and the technique looked relatively solid. So, you know, does doesn't have a whole lot of wear and tear on the body because he didn't play a whole lot in college. Uh, the one negative is that he's already 24 years old, so I'm in, I don't know how much time he's really going to have to develop. But you know, you switch positions. He's definitely built more like a guard. Um, and hey, for the seventh round, yeah, I don't mind picks like this in the seventh round because they're all developmental players. So you take a chance on a guy switching positions. Um, and hey, maybe it works out. Uh, the the other pick here, which I, again limited tape, but I liked what I saw. To be honest, um, Lachavius Simmons from Tennessee State. Again, they go from Arlington Hambright to Lachavius Simmons. And I had it's uh, good. It's I had, a good name game. Did you have people tweeting the key and piece to you? Because I did. You know what I'm talking about? The Key and Peele skit with the uh, the draft names? Yes, yes, yes. You, you know who used to watch those all the time in the press box? Was Bob Laguerre, the old-timer from the Daily Herald. He <laughs> thought they were hilarious. They are hilarious. Like, it, they are hilarious. But, like, of, of all the beat writers that, that, that I know, Bob Laguerre is like, Hey, Adam, come check this out. When I used to sit next to him in the press box. And, yes, hilarious stuff. That's a good point. Like, that, that does remind me. Of the, the name does remind me of that bit. Just to get him going, be, just back to back, Arlington Hambright and uh, Lechavius Simmons. Anyway, uh, good size, six five, three hundred and fifty pounds. Played all over the the um, Tennessee State line. He was left tackle, right tackle, left guard, right guard, and um, at that size, I mean six five, three fifteen. You could be a, you could be a left tackle at that size in the NFL. Uh, Ryan Pace said he could play guard or tackle. What I liked, John's the most, the thing I've been pounding the table for all offseason is the Bears getting a Mauler in the run game. Uh, And this kid Simmons has long arms. And when you watch him, he engages on a block and he will drive that dude 10 yards downfield. Now, granted, he's playing at the FCS level against guys he's probably a lot bigger than, but he would grab a guy and finish him 10 yards down the field all the way to the ground. I love seeing that. You're talking like uh, like like a scene from the blind side? Yes. Or NFL terms, you see some of Quentin Nelson doing this, where he starts a block and then finishes it 15 yards downfield. Okay, obviously, I'm talking about a guy who was drafted in the top 10. I'm not you know trying to make a comparison. I'm just saying... Some of his college tape looks like some of these unbelievable blocks we've seen Quentin Nelson do. So 
Uh, I liked seeing that. Very limited I could find on pass protection, though, so I, I don't want to pretend like I have the full evaluation on the seventh-round pick who I'd never heard of at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Um, but I, I did like what I saw, and I liked it, the conference call we had with him. He said, I'm a bloody-your-nose type of guy on the field. You know, he sounds like he's got a mean streak. I like that. Yes, great quote. Great quote. Like, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're getting too carried away talking about seventh-round picks, but, but but I'll say this. I, I had this bold prediction before the um, the draft. Like, I, I was 100% convinced they were going to take multiple offensive linemen, not only because it was a need, but because... Like Ryan Pace, like never drafts offensive linemen. Like it's just he's drafted five, and I know that sounds like a like a like a low number, but other teams are actually below that. But like since he's taken over, he's only drafted five offensive linemen, and this year after the run game problems the past couple of years, I just thought it was a priority either way to take some swings on these guys. So I I don't know a lot of these a lot about these guys. We'll learn more about them. You know, there's going to be some struggles ahead for him. But I like the idea of taking some swings on some offensive linemen, tackle, guard, whatever, this late in the draft. Yeah, I, li- I like it too. Um, and the names were a bonus. If I had to pick between these two guys who could maybe maybe be be like a Charles Leno who you know spends a year on the practice squad and then maybe works his way into uh, an actual starter down the road, I, I would say Simmons. But again kid was just picked today barely know a whole lot about these guys I, I did like my first impression was good and I I always like to trust my first impression when I see these guys it's it, it's a it's a thing that paid off for me a bunch when I'd be in mobile at the senior bowl it, sometimes you just see somebody go wow that you know it's the first time I'm seeing this guy but I, I like what I'm seeing a lot of times that works out so uh, you know maybe the Simmons kid has a chance the one guy again who I do will contribute immediately and be a playmaker even in a limited fashion though is Mooney the wide receiver from Tulane overall how do you think that they did I don't like doing draft grades I think they're quite nonsense uh, to be honest with you, you need to get at least a year, at least a year before you evaluate what these players are going to be. Like, like you said, like you know, Cole Komet, you know, you, you may not see much from from him until I don't know week eight when he has like his first four catch game or, or whatnot. You know, sometimes these guys take time. It's all about the projections and the development. But I, I think overall, this this wasn't a bad draft whatsoever for the Bears. No, and so instead of grading the players, I like to grade the process. You know what I mean? When I consider how a draft class gets put together. Um, and and again, I'll go back to Friday night, and I like that they came out with, with two... They It didn't seem like there was any overthinking. Like they, they came away with two just solid players that should be able to contribute quickly. Uh, and in the situation of Jalen Johnson, I think we'll be able to start right away. Uh, so I like that process. Again, I'll go to the idea that they had th- they they started today with only one fifth round pick that came out of it with three. So I like that process. I like I like that they were able to do that. When I see them go get uh, a Travis Gibson, I may have this wrong at this exact moment, but I think Bradley and I who was the defensive end from Utah that you know I really, really liked. I think he was still on the board. But the one thing about Bradley and I, and I thought he could have gone in the second round. That's how high I was on him. But he's kind of maxed out as a player. Uh, 
And so I can't really argue with the in in terms of the fact that I, I don't know that he can put on you know any more weight. You know, I think his frame's built out. Um, you know, I just he's just going to be probably a solid player. With Gibson, I think they're looking at a tall, lanky, lengthy, lanky dude with length who length who can um, you know develop into something. So sometimes that comes with risk. But I don't fault them for doing that in the fifth round with somebody who they think can, you know, have upside to not only provide depth behind Khalil Mack and and Robert Quinn, but but give you val valuable snaps too eventually. Yeah, someone young, someone with potential, not Aaron Lynch, right? Not Barkevius Mingo. Talk about another name on the Bears, right? There's another one. How about that? Um it's just somebody that you could you could work with, and I don't want to compare the Bears to the Ravens, but the the Ravens have made a history out of finding guys. I'm talking about pass rushers later in the draft, right? Judon, Pernell McPhee, we all know him. Like there, there's a a few, there's several good examples of of the Ravens finding quality pass rushers late in the draft. You know what? They may not sign up the second contract, but these guys become players. They become contributors. Maybe that's the ceiling for for a guy like Gibson. Yeah, and then again, you know, with the idea of training up back up in the fifth round for Mooney, uh, again, the process, again, in this case, I like the player, but the process too, you, you hear Ryan Pace talk about how they had a cloud of players, they felt like there was a drop-off, and they felt like they could still get back in the range of getting value uh, instead of maybe just taking a couple projects in the sixth round. So I don't fault that at all. I like that kind of conviction, uh, which is a word Ryan Pace uses a lot. So, you know, in that case, again, uh, so overall, to answer your question, and then getting two developmental offensive linemen, you know, maybe one of the two works out. And if so, that's that's definitely a, definitely a win. Here's the question, though, and we kind of started, started with this. Uh, so taking the podcast full circle, no quarterback again. Do you care? I do. I, I I really do because, well, heck, I wrote a column about it on the Athletic. You know, before the draft, you could check it out. It ran on Thursday, day one of the draft. I I just think it's so important to keep taking swings at this, especially like now where you have three years left on Matt Nagy's contract. There's two years left on Ryan Pace's contract, and look, I know they're. Their seat's not as hot as people want it to be. And, and I, I think their place is actually quite secure, you know, which may frustrate some, some more fans. And I, I think that's fine. I, I don't want to overreact. I don't think the organization should overreact about this. But, you know, Ryan Pace said when he was hired how important this is. There's examples from the Patriots. There's examples from the Packers of how important this is. Nick Foles was a swing at getting this right. Mitch Trubisky was a major swing at getting this right. At the very least, at this point where the Bears are, another swing in some round on day three would have made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I thought so too. And and especially when I uh, look at some of the guys that uh, went undrafted, um, Anthony Gordon went undrafted from Washington State. He signed with the Seahawks. Uh, Steven Montez Went undrafted from Colorado. Uh, let's see, I'm not even sure, really sure where he ended up at this point. A lot of this free agency signing happened while we were dealing with the press conference, uh, so still playing a little bit of catch up. But um, well, I'll get a point in. Yeah, I, I think the guy that stood out to me was James Morgan. Yes. 
and he went in the fourth round, nineteenth pick of the fourth round to to the Jets. And look, they have Sam Dar- Darnold. I'm not saying he's coming in to, to take a spot, but this is another swing at it. Uh, I understand the Jets' thought process. Like, like in terms of a day three pick, I'm sure the Bears were hoping that a guy like him would fall to round five so they could take a, a, a whack at it, so they could have an opportunity to trade up like they did for It Gibson. was interesting. The kid from... Um from James Madison, the Cowboys drafted him in the seventh round, and uh, there were a couple reports out there that he was already getting offers, uh, or at least getting you know talked to by by teams, including the Bears. And uh, the Cowboys just to your point earlier about how sometimes you just use one of those late round picks to to secure a guy you really wanted to get in free agency, but you, you don't know that you could definitely sign him. The Cowboys just said, "Heck, we're going to draft this kid." So that does show you the Bears had interest in you know they it's not like quarterback was completely out of the picture for them. Yeah, and and this is not to say that the door is completely closed on these guys. Look, there's going to be competitions. The the, the whole off season is going to be different because this COVID nineteen pandemic. But guys will be released. Guys will get second chances, and maybe one of these guys ends up with the Bears after all. You just never know. Yeah, and. uh I also made the case the other day that they should draft a quarterback. So that obviously that didn't happen. Uh, interesting, Jalen Hurt ended up going to Philly. Uh, so he wasn't really uh, necessarily in play for the Bears. But anyway, another year passes. They're fine in the short term with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles at that position. But uh, you do wonder about the future and just you know not taking swings on a quarterback sometimes comes to bite you, comes back to bite you. And uh, other teams that have quarterbacks like the Packers and the Eagles aren't afraid to do it. So it is just an interesting thing to continue to track. Yes, yes. It's the most important position in sports and the hardest position to find and get right. We know that well here oh, in Chicago, do yes, we not? Oh, yes, we do. And by the way, the most notable undrafted free agent signing at this point, Khalil Mack's brother, Ladarius. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Nice story. I don't know. He'll be all right. I don't know what his ceiling is. You know, there's a reason these guys go undrafted. I feel like the Blackhawks have had, had a few of these, right? Like with... Like then they have Jonathan Taze, his brother, on, on yeah. the Ice Hogs for a bit or something like that. Like you know, there was a Quinville I think floating around. Was there a Keith Seabrook? I could be getting that wrong. All the names mixed up, but I think it was David Taze. I don't know how this became a Blackhawks podcast. Well, because you the, start, you the started talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I covered them in like a, another life ago. I, I feel like, but it, it, the, the sentiment is nice. I don't know what type of player he's going to be. You know, realistically, but. It's a nice story. Yeah, I, he wasn't a huge prospect. Um, he's definitely not as big as Khalil Mack. Uh, only had one start. He did lead the Buffaloes with 12 tackles for loss last uh, last season and three forced fumbles. So all Mack second team. Wasn't a Mack school. Buffalo's okay. He's on the Bears because Khalil Mack's his brother, it feels like, which is okay. And that'll, that'll be interesting. And I... I you know, usually they don't comment on these uh, undrafted free agents because the contracts aren't all wrapped up. But Ryan Pace did did uh, did discuss Ladarius Mack tonight. So, um. yeah, it was a nice break from the, the the norm there for Pace. It was very usually he'll give you a good chuckle about these guys when you ask him. Hey, I heard you signed this quarterback. Who was that quarterback they signed a few years ago? And you know, he laughed about it at the the podium. And you know, he'll play his part in this, but yeah. It's a nice story. I don't think it's anything more than that, at least right now, until he stands out in some capacity actually on yeah. the field. 
Uh, well, he, here's what's next. I mean, for us, we'll be back Tuesday uh, with probably some more thoughts after we have more time to digest all these guys, watch more film, you know, write some more stories and things like that. Uh, but the Bears offseason program has begun. The virtual offseason program. Matt Nagy talked about that a little bit tonight. Uh, they they had. It sounded like they spent the first week really just trying to make sure everyone understood how to use Zoom or whatever they're using. Uh, and I laughed because Matt Nagy gave advice that we should all live by and that the mute button is very important, people. Uh, learn to use it. Love it. Because <laughs> you can't have these conference calls with so many people unmuted. And uh, it sounded like they'll get into more of the X's and O's this week as a team. But the interesting thing to me, John, is we're not going to have rookie minicamp here like we normally would which is really our first opportunity to get back in the building and watch a practice, even though it's a bunch of players that uh, really aren't even on the team because they have to bring in so many tryout guys just to have a practice. But uh, no kicker competition this year, no crazy kicker comp. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, usually the way Ryan Pace has run his rookie minicamps is he he invites everybody and their brother to come to (laughs) Hallis Hall and and work out because he he just wants to – you know, cast the wide net. You never know who you're going to see. Like, that's how many guys he brings in for these workouts. And, you know, this <laughs> it definitely applied to the kicker competition last year. It, you know what, though, Adam? You know, it made it interesting. I felt bad for the, the team employee. We had to go into the <laughs> marshes to go get the balls, you know? And, and I, I have a feeling that, you know, like, because we saw that guy cussing. Remember that, Adam? Like, yeah. he was cussing going into those bushes. I'm sure he was going through, what are those called? Like, nettles? Um, uh, some, like, the bush with the, like, the, the really, like, they stick to you and they sting you a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Um, yes. Look, I... The marsh down, it looks like there could be alligators in there, okay? Just to, to like, paint a picture. <laughs> Obviously, there aren't. We're, we're in Illinois, although we did have Gator Bob last year and that whole thing. So maybe there are gators in there, for all we know. Uh, but it's it's not pleasant. No, no. My, my favorite ones is because they were still... I don't know how we got to this. It's late. It's past 10 o'clock here, you know, three days of draft, but... My favorite memory still is the guy, is the team employee going into the marsh to go get the footballs that were kicked um, errantly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other ones that were just lost forever in the construction pit of the, the, the house hall remodel that are still probably there. They have all sorts of, you know, fungus growing on them at, at yeah. this point. Yeah. All right. Uh, we should get out of here. But, uh, man, it, life's going to be... Well, life's already interesting, right? But um, the football life's going to be interesting. We've we've kind of had a somewhat normal... How do I word this? Like month and a half of coverage, even though it's definitely been different, obviously, with free agency and draft the way it was held. But at least they still happened. You know what I mean? Now I'm fascinated to see, yes. see yes, what, I, what happens now that we're not going to have OTAs. We're not going to have minicamp, it doesn't seem like. I, I, I don't know. To be honest, I did not mind the virtual draft. I enjoyed being home with yep. my family. I enjoyed just the you know getting up and playing with my sons occasionally. You know, as this played out, and watching the picks with them as well, especially the Kilkomet one. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we have. But we'll be here oh, yeah. for everybody. This podcast will be here. We'll still be talking. We're to each other. not going anywhere. Maybe we'll we'll just you know we'll turn it into a last dance podcast if we need to here. Uh, hey, I know I'll, I'll be watching that tomorrow night. That's for sure. 
thoroughly enjoy. Matt, Matt, Matt Nagy watch- said he's watching. He almost got offended that he was even asked if he was watching. <laughs> yes, Damn straight, I'm did. watching. Yes, he did. All right, uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter. All our draft coverage is up at The Athletic and NBCSportsChicago.com. Check it out. We'll be back on Tuesday. See ya. That's not cliche talk. That's real talk.